Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening and welcome to the first podcast of 2016. It's been a whole year since they heard us. We got to get on in 2016. I'm here joined once again by Zach Gutierrez, a real star. Just I'm DJ Boyer, but you know, Zach is the man. 2016, what is your resolution for the year, Zach? Do you have one? Uh, yeah, I actually do. It's strange as it sounds. Uh, you know, I've never worn hair product in my hair ever, you know, so I always look a little disheveled. And I feel like if every morning I woke up, it's kind of like making your bed. I put a little product in my hair and made myself look presentable, it would go a long way. So I'm, I'm trying to make that as my resolution. Well, I guess I'm the opposite. I always wear product in my hair and never make my bed. So we must be polar opposites. Oh, really? In that, I know. Yeah. I, I don't make my bed either. I don't make my bed either. I got one. Oh, but I probably I, I people look at my bed. They're probably not, I even in the summertime I sleep with like three, four blankets. I've got like eight on my bed now, including one electric one. It's like a sauna. I, I don't know what it is. In New York, you got to be careful with all those blankets because it's just bed bugs asking. You're just asking for bed bugs. <laughs> so what I do is I literally have two blankets and I just wash them everywhere. I only have the comforter because you can't just throw that in the wash. So I literally wash my sheets once a week. And I just have blank, one blanket and one sheet, and that's all I need. That's hey, that's all you need. Plus, and and when I really I gotta go for like that extra layer, I'll, I'll even take some uh, sleeping bags and unzip them and put them on top. I have a He-Man sleeping bag from fourth grade. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, all the women are swooning listening to that podcast right now. I you have these fighting them off with uh, tidbits of information. Just outed myself. Okay. Yes. I, I'm right there with Adam the, is it Eternia? I don't know. I don't know. I'm really, really making myself sound bad now. Not to change the subject. No, whatever. You already have a kid. You already have a kid. Your, bio- your biological clock's not ticking. <laughs> oh, they were Pokemon people. Good, good thing we, we skipped He-Man. Anyway, moving right into, oh, there's just so much to talk about. Where do we start? I mean, I'm, I'm going to let that up to you. We're just going to say, the first thing that's uh, on your mind, Zach, where do you want to go? There's just so many things. I mean, we, there's like 20 things we can talk I, about right now. I think you got to go coaching changes. Coaching changes first. Oh, the Monday after the last regular season game. Always fun. We're always watching the ticker, getting the inside uh, scoop and with some of my sources and seeing what's going on. What kind of surprised you the most is, is, is what you've seen. Anything really kind of surprised you in the coaching carousel? That we seen going uh, on right Yeah, yeah. Pagano signing an extension. That was that blew my mind. That blew my mind. Uh, I thought he was fired. I thought he was done. <laughs> so that's that was like kind of uh, crazy news. A lot of it I, I expected. None of it like blew my mind. I'm very very sad to see Tom Coughlin go. You know the players. I mean, you know he's like the most beloved guy ever. If you go onto Instagram, you see every player that's ever played for him. Writes like these beautiful incredibly well thought out essays on their Instagram pictures. And that's just the guy that he's been a part of the NFL since really, I can remember but going back to at first. My, my first memories were the Jacks, the Jaguars, the, uh, uh, the inaugural Jaguar team. Uh, but then, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. He's an old guy. Chip Kelly didn't surprise me. He's like Harbaugh. He rubs people the wrong way. Uh, the 49ers, I don't know what the hell they were thinking last year with that, with that coaching decision. I was reading articles today and they were like, Oh, they just wanted him to, you know, keep spirit side. That's what they made him the head coach. So they were right away, I could tell you that guy didn't belong in the NFL. But Pagano, in extension, was crazy. I, I thought he, I thought he was guaranteed fired. 
Yeah, it seemed that way. I, I was a little bit surprised by that as well, and it seemed like all reports uh, McCoy being retained in San Diego. And I think a lot of that, but uh, for me, really, that's how long is that going to be? Because, again, I really feel that if any team is moving to L.A., it's going to be the Chargers. So we're going to see some changes up top. And, and what happens when the new management comes in? I say don't be fooled by the extension or the fact that the Chargers are retaining McCoy. That could actually uh, that could be something that's going to change in the next couple of months. I really think that a lot of front office uh, flotsam and jetsam going to be going on there, and that's ultimately going to decide um, whether McCoy is, is steering the ship there or, the, or they get somebody else. But uh, a couple other, and uh, Johnny Manziel. Uh, what do we make of this? Has Johnny played his last down as a Brown? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think especially considering that they cleaned house today. Uh, I mean, they got rid of everybody, and if they don't and, – at least include Manziel, and it's kind of unfair because I feel like Manziel's a, a really big portion of why, why they're cleaning house. Uh, I already was in Vegas, you know, and missed the concussion protocol. On his Instagram, he took a picture of himself and geotagged it in Cleveland, yeah, but it looks like a picture of a picture to me, you know. I, I think he was in Vegas. Uh, I think he's a head case, and why not go to the Dallas Cowboys? That's what I've been reading, because if you would have told me a few years ago that Des Bryant was going to somehow work out for this long, it's amazing that we haven't heard anything about Des Bryant this year with how the things have gone for the Cowboys. You would have thought he would have done something catastrophically stupid. <laughs> Jerry Jones has a way of keeping these type of people under control. It's a beautiful situation to go into Dallas. You're going in to back up the undisputed starter. So, I mean, there's, there's no quarterback competition. You know you're behind Tony Romo. You have a lot to learn from Tony Romo. He plays the same way that Manziel does. If somebody really kind of plays as a, a free spirit, with kind of his own, plays to his own beat or with a, a different script than the normal NFL passers, Tony Romo. So you play behind him, and Tony Romo was fragile. You know, there's a good chance he gets hurt. So Cowboys are a great fit for him. Uh, it doesn't matter. If the Cowboys aren't interested, it's not like the Browns are keeping him. So, I mean, he's gone in Cleveland. Haslam is, you know, <laughs> everyone that decided to bring Johnny Manziel in is fired. So I guarantee you Manziel will not be there. I'm thinking we're about two to three years away from hearing, and now starting for your Calgary Stampeders, but uh, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens here. And as far as the Cowboys, lots of fragilities there, and we're going to talk a little more about the uh, the mock draft and where things stand right now, but uh, I've got Dallas going QB in round three. Who could it be? How about Dak Prescott, round three to Dallas? What would you think of something like that? I, I like Dak Prescott a lot. I, I don't know. I, I mean, if they can get Manziel, I think that's like a, a move that for the Browns know that if anybody is going to give anything for him, it's going to be the Cowboys. It'll be a late-round pick. It took, I feel like, every ounce of self-restraint Jerry Jones had to take Zach Martin. But if you would have told him that he would be able to you know, come back in and get Manziel a few years later, and if you actually watch the tape of Manziel, he's getting better. He is definitely an NFL-caliber player. Uh, I, I would think say so. Type of guy that I know. I'm telling you, I, I'm still, I still like John. He's a, an idiot. But you put somebody in a bad situation. Cleveland, there's just something in the water in Cleveland. Look, Josh Gordon. I mean, Trent Richardson. Uh, everything that has touched Cleveland, apart from maybe Joe Hayden and Joe Thomas, has completely fallen apart. So I mean, that's a tough place for somebody like him to go in. They have nobody. Their offense is like on paper the least impressive offense in the league. I mean, it's it's really really pathetic. Uh, and I watch Manziel closely because, you know, I'm a fan of his. So, I, I mean, I think the Cowboys going to get him. And uh, obviously if they get him, they're not going to be drafted in Prescott in the third round. But uh, if they do draft a quarterback, I, you, know, you know me, I like Prescott. 
he's big enough where uh, he, if you think he can throw, he's good. Um, uh, people might try to compare him to Logan Thomas, and you know he hasn't really worked out. But uh, Prescott was a significantly better passer throughout his entire college career. So I have no problem with him going that high in the draft. I'm just not sure if it'll be to the Cowboys because they're getting Manziel. Would definitely agree there, and and we're really starting to see more and more of the underclassmen starting to declare now. So that's obviously going to be changing the landscape of of the draft. I, I think this is the year. I think we're going to hit the magical triple digits. I think we're going to have a hundred players declare right now. I mean, we're still uh, just a little under two weeks away. I believe uh, January seventeenth. So we're we're thirteen days away from the actual declaration deadline. And as of tonight. We've had about six more uh, kids throw their names in the hat. I believe we're officially at 67, so we're two-thirds of the way there. I think we're going to hit 100. I, this would be the Yeah, there's, the there's going to be a mass exodus from uh, the Buckeyes. I, I'm not sure if it's happening yet. I really hope it doesn't happen. But there, there's there's a few more players in the Buckeyes that could easily, easily – I think the only other one I saw tonight thus far, Eli Apple, I think has thrown his name in as well, and much like uh, – I didn't even know uh, that. Lee. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that that's, I knew that's late. pretty I late. Knew I, late. I, I think I did that was no Eli Apple. That's I think that was just about two hours ago, honestly. So, and I think uh, uh, both, well, him, him and Lee are both uh, redshirt sophomores, so uh, and, that are draft eligible. And Jalen Marshall. And Jalen Marshall. I know. I know. I. I it, so they're going to lose a lot of people. I didn't. Re- I. I really, as a Buckeye fan, I want Jalen Marshall would have had a very, very good year, like a really, really good year. I, I don't know why he left. He could have been a better Devin Smith this year at Ohio State, but, you know, he'll get drafted pretty high. Yeah, going to be a lot of people there. And uh, what do we think about the ending to the uh, – it was kind of a quick ending to the career of Joey Bosa, but I think everyone expected him to leave. I think, obviously, he has a shot at being the top overall pick in the draft. Laramie Tunsil, uh, who we currently have as the top player in the draft. And how about uh, how about old Laramie getting a touchdown in the bowl game there, being a little uh, fleet of foot? And he actually officially threw his name in – in the hat, that was kind of under the uh, uh, no duh category. Uh, we all knew that was coming, but he had made it official tonight as well. But uh, you know, there's there's just so many good players at the top of the draft that, uh, and there's still a few we're waiting on. But but 67, it's it, it's a big number. And I think in the latest mock, I think we have to go all the way down to I think it's pick 16 or 17 before we don't have an underclassman. I, I think it's the first 15 or 16 picks. I got to look uh, that are all. Um, Underclassman of some sort. Yeah, you have Wentz is the first one. You're, you're a little too high on him, but <laughs> I know he's good. He's good. Thirteenth overall. Oh yeah, well, and, and there and there's uh, some other things there with uh, with my team there with with Philadelphia. I think the the word there, you know, we got to think is Doug Peterson going to be the guy? It, it kind of makes sense a little bit uh, from what I what I'm gathering is Doug Peterson could be the hire. I'd kind of like them to to stay somewhere defensive. We heard a lot about Sean McDermott, but I think there's going to be so many changes at offense, probably going with an offensive mind. Peterson, a former quarterback, had been a quarterback coach in Philadelphia, now running the offense with uh, with Andy Reid in, in Kansas City. It sounds like the Eagles would are would like to take a quarterback and, and probably retain uh, Mark Sanchez for uh, – he's under contract for another year. Sam Bradford, you don't know, maybe with a change of, of offense because he's actually played pretty well the last four or five weeks. So maybe in an offense where mobility is not such a big deal, since he's playing on, I think, a couple of cadavers in his knees, uh, he, he's played very, very respectable the, 
the last few weeks. So that that's really going to be, I think, of all the teams and what happens in the front office, really just a whole change of philosophy there. Really got to hold your breath with what happens with Philadelphia, um, because I really think the the coaching changes there really going to dictate what we see at the top of the draft. But I, th- I think a lot of changes along the line. They've got four defensive linemen that could be out next year, so could be a little cash strapped next year. What are your feelings about Philadelphia? You would know more uh, about Philadelphia's situation than me. Um, I would have kept Chip Kelly. I, I have faith in Chip Kelly, uh, and he's one of those guys that it's really, really tough. They're not winning on the field to get behind him because he, he's just he comes he, he's crass and he doesn't get along with people. And it's almost like a Belichick. I noticed how Belichick jumped through his defense really quickly because Chip Kelly is a football genius. If you give him time to figure out the NFL. He will, he will build a program, and I, I think an NFL team realized it. Maybe it's the 49ers that realize this, but I don't think they should have gotten rid of him. Uh, but now that they have, I think you know you go you know as close to Andy Reid as you could, uh, and that and that's Peterson. Um, and uh, when it comes to projecting them in the draft, uh, I think you don't take a quarterback. I think you give Bradford a shot. You keep Sanchez as the backup. Uh, and, and you kind of go to a power run game, like how I kind of envisioned Sam Bradford succeeding in St. Louis. By uh, he's a very crafty ball handler in terms of play action fakes, and and, and he's very good. Even though he's he was known for taking shots under, uh, I mean shots from the, uh, uh, sorry, taking uh, snaps from the shotgun. He's very good under center. Uh, so I think you go to a, a, a power run and then address the offensive line or defensive line. And he can definitely do that, and there's going to be a lot of holes on the defensive line. The problem really here is you've got to look at Sam Bradford and the fact that he rejected a four-year, $72 million contract in the preseason. And looking at that now, I mean, do you think Sam Bradford gets $18 million a year in the open market? I mean, I think he's still gets a healthy contract. But Philadelphia, again, the way he played the last four or five weeks, I think you could keep him in Philadelphia, and you can be happy. You can build around that, but... At what price tag? I think there were so many haphazard signings. And keeping Chip Kelly as a coach, I, I really think they had to let him go just because he, he made such a big deal when they, they talked about the player personnel decisions are going through him, and he said, oh, that's, that's what Jeffrey Lurie wanted, well, and made it sound like it's not what he wanted. Well, when he was approached about staying with the team and letting the, the duties go to someone else, bringing in a Howard Roseman or someone else to be the GM, he absolutely flipped out and, and didn't want any parts of it. So because of that, I just think it was a little foolish to give someone that much power who had only basically been in the league for two years. As a coach, absolutely. But but as a fan, I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm just think that, you know, if you're going to play that kind of tempo offense, you're going to have to have something to fall back on. There were just too many times where there'd be three and outs, and that defense was just winded. And even though they're they're still not where they need to be, it's always not as bad as what the statistics would have would have you believe, because that defense is just on the field more than anyone in the NFL. And it's just a shame, because I think they made some strides. They're getting a little better in the secondary. And, you know, I come down on the Eagles a lot. The only thing I will say, the more and more I watch them, Fletcher Cox might be the best defensive lineman outside of J.J. Watt in the entire league. He's just a monster, what they ask him to do. And it's there's really going to be no help around him. There's four potential free agents there on the, on the, on the line uh, for this year. So I think some of those signings, a lot of money they gave that are not only with, with large signing, but year two, you got – Big amount of money going to DeMarco Murray. Big amount of money going to Byron Maxwell. And 
players like Kiko Alonso. So it's it's it's. I just think they put themselves kind of in a, in a bad situation there. If Chip could have stayed stayed aboard and just given away those GM duties, I think we could have lived with it. But unfortunately, I think Ego got the best of him there, and unfortunately, he had to go. But now I've been calling Tennessee all year, but maybe San Francisco is the spot. It would definitely be better, as you said, than what San Francisco had going for him this past year. Yeah, and uh, assuming both of them want him, uh, there's really no comparison if you're picking a franchise who to go, who you want to be uh, the head coach for. Um, but I, I think it's tough to ask a guy like him that has a system and knows his system so well uh, to give up on picking the players because that's, that's kind of what he does. He puts the players in the right situation. I mean, he might have looked kind of dumb this year signing DeMarco Murray to the type of deal that, that they signed DeMarco Murray to and then, and then barely using him. Uh, and I feel like that, uh, that, that was the owner. That kind of egged them on to do that. If they're going to get rid of McCoy, maybe it wasn't his ear. Maybe he didn't. Uh, I don't know. You probably know more than me, but uh, I feel like that. If it wasn't for Demarco Murray, I feel like Chip Kelly would still uh, would still have the job. I think if you gave him time, he he would have figured it out, and he would have been. And it was, he was a perfect fit for the Eagles. It's a shame, but you know, he's gonna if he if he catches on with the Niners, I promise you, in a few years, you're going to be uh, regretting getting rid of him. Well, shifting focus to the other Pennsylvania team, the, the team that you kind of cheer for there, Pittsburgh finds a way into the playoffs. The Jets kind of lay an egg in the last uh, the last week of the season, and boy, you got to think, you know, all kidding aside and saying it's not personal, this or that, but how happy do you think Rex Ryan was knowing that he kind of stuck it to the Jets there in the last week of the season, preventing them from getting in the playoffs? Was there anyone happier than Rex Ryan week 17? No, you couldn't. For him, for the Bills not to make the process the best possible way that he could have ended his season, and as somebody that was probably the biggest Bills fan, I was a part of the Bills Mafia this week, and I was going crazy for the Bills. Uh, I, I had a feeling that they were they were going to rise to the occasion, because the Bills are a very, very good team. I think they got a, the, a very bright future, and I, you know, any coach should be happy about that. Rex Ryan is, is probably one of the happiest moments of his life to do something like that. <laughs> The Bills are the ultimate wild card team. I mean, you, you can look at all 16 of their games, and I can say you can't count them out of any game. They're never an overwhelming favorite, favorite but you can never say, oh, they're definitely going to beat the Bills. The Bills are in every game, it's, and appropriate that they finish 500. That just they're just a team that you can't get overly excited about. Yet nobody wants to play them. Uh, Buffalo, I think they are going in the right direction, and. You know, Tyrod Taylor turned out to be maybe one of the better signings that no one really talked about. Uh, he, he did pretty, some pretty good things there in Buffalo, and I think there's some room for him to grow, but didn't make a lot of egregious errors and, and just you know made a lot of plays with his legs and throwing the football. And I think Tyrod Taylor, it turned out well. But overall, the point I want to make in the AFC, it's just so wide open. Look at the two teams. I look at the two teams the way they're playing now uh, that have the buys. You look at the New England Patriots and the Denver Broncos. And I look at the two wildcard teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Kansas City Chiefs. I take them right now over the two teams that are on buys. I mean, I think the two wildcard teams could be the most dangerous teams in the AFC. I, I totally agree. I think the Chiefs be mostly are the most dangerous team in the AFC. It's always tough to discount the Patriots. Uh, I'm a little bit worried as a Steelers fan because last year – it was a very similar team. I was very, very excited, obviously, to play a playoff. The divisional fell in the playoffs. 
but we were dangerously thin at running back. We didn't have D'Angelo Williams, and uh, and Le'Veon Bell was out. So I need to figure out if D'Angelo Williams is playing. Uh, the Steelers, to me, without D'Angelo Williams or Le'Veon Bell are not as dangerous. And that worries me because, I mean, uh, they definitely have the passing game to be able to compete without a running back. But last year, I mean, the Ravens just ate them up. They, they, had, they had nothing for the Ravens because they couldn't run the ball. Uh, I'm reading D'Angelo Williams' day-to-day, but he needs to be at 75 80% for the Steelers to be dangerous. Totally agree with you. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, would be favorite over every team except for probably the Patriots. And then you look at the Bengals, a, a team that just seems to get decimated by injuries every year. Last year was uh, it, w- it was the fact that uh, Andy Dalton and no one really to throw to. I think uh, Rex Burkhead was probably the best option they had a wide receiver going into that game. I think it was their top three options were all hurt. Now you're, you don't have Andy Dalton. You've had A.J. McCarron in there who, you know, isn't the lighting the world on fire, but he's not, again, making a lot of boneheaded plays. Do the Bengals have enough, or if the Bengals come up short again, how? How long can fans in Cincinnati wait for this team to, to get a playoff victory? Uh, assuming A.J. McCarron starts, uh, you got to wait a little bit longer. Dalton wasn't in there. I know it's tough because Dalton hasn't really been just horrible in the playoffs. But with injuries, it's understandable. Uh, and the reason why the Bengals have had this sustain, sustained success, and I know it hasn't translated into a playoff victory, but it's a lot better situation than a lot of teams in the NFL is because they keep their head coach. They don't they don't make changes. They don't do what the Bears did and fire Lovey Smith after a ten and six season. Uh and that's why every single year they're in the playoffs and competing for a bye. Um if they lose, they lose to a very sellers team. So uh I hope McCarran starts. Uh I, I he has nothing for the Steelers. I'm watching the first game, I was like licking my chops hoping that this uh this matchup would occur in the playoffs. And I know a lot of the Steelers are very vocal about it after the game, saying we want Cincinnati in the playoffs. So I'm, as a Steelers fan, very happy they're going to be playing Cincinnati um, without Andy Dalton. They're saying McCarron's preparing to start. But, I mean, assuming the Bengals lose, which I'm assuming they're going to lose, uh, you, you can't do anything. It's, uh, you know me. I, if there's been, like, one thing that I've continuously said throughout all these, it's like stick with a coach. Make a commitment for more than two years. You know? That's what the good teams do. That's why the Pittsburgh Steelers the three coaches since 1969. I was going to say the last question real quick uh, as far as AFC playoffs. You're the coach in Denver. What do you do with the quarterback situation? Do you stick with Brock Osweiler if there's any way Pete Manning is is able to go in this game and kind of give you 100% or, or if Pete Manning at 70%, is that better than a 100% with Brock Osweiler? What do you do if you're the Denver GM and head coach going into this game? I 100% start Peyton Manning because Denver's defense is good enough to where if, and Peyton, and Peyton realizes that, Peyton is like having another coach on the field. He might not go out there and have make crazy plays downfield to Demarius Thomas like he once did, but he's, I think he'll definitely put them in the best position to win. And uh, if they start him, I'm saying their defense is good enough where they could slog through a pretty weak AFC. And uh, I'll never discount the defense that good. So, uh, but I think Peyton. Anytime we're talking Peyton Manning, assuming he can hand the ball off, I take Peyton Manning. And in the NFC, do we like both of the uh, wild card teams as well? You've got Green Bay and Seattle, the teams that actually met in the NFC Championship game a year ago. Now it's wild card teams. Gotta like their chances. And, and who do you like overall on the NFC side of the side of the football? 
I think Green Bay is very soft. Uh, I, I don't think Green Bay is going to do anything. Uh, I know when they won the Super Bowl, they were a wild card team. They were a very hot wild card team. Uh, I think it comes down to uh, there's three. It's between three teams. It's between Seattle, Arizona, and Carolina. Uh, everyone discounts Carolina, and I'm going to discount them right now. I think it's between Seattle and Arizona. Uh, and I, I don't know there. I would have said Arizona before this week, and I probably got a little uh, convinced after watching that last game. But I, 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 I said you can't count on Seattle. Like I would never bet against Seattle. Yeah, it's hard to get a bet against Seattle, but <clears throat> I kind of drew my line in the sand. I like an Arizona New England Super Bowl. I like the two seeds meeting there. Um, I like. I would love to see the Cardinals win it all. I think it'd be great. Oh yeah, but um, such a great guy. He's like you want to talk about a guy that's like universally beloved. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of uh, Eagle fans are a little bit of uh, you know thinking about what could have been Bruce Arians, local guy from York, not far away, and looked like he was going to get a, a pretty good shake as the Eagle coach, and then everything with Chip Kelly broke, and the interview for Bruce Arians was canceled. So. I think some of the Eagle Eagle faithful look back at that and now and uh, thinking about what could have been, but uh, you never know. But uh, I really think that it could be Arizona's time. And, again, you're talking about a team that was absolutely decimated, much like uh, we talked about Cincinnati last year, having to, you know, going through two quarterbacks, Carson Palmer going down. Drew Stanton actually played pretty well in the regular season when he was healthy. But now – Arizona, with the with the exception of Tyron Matthews, seems to be pretty healthy. They may be one of the healthier teams going into the playoffs. So I kind of like Arizona. Going towards the mock draft, we're on 8.0 right now, and it is a full seven rounds. One thing that I do like is picks one through 20. There are no coin flips this year. No one is tied. Uh, lines have been drawn in the sand. We know where everyone's going to pick. <clears throat> Tennessee at number one. Uh, getting me a little worried there. They were uh, – uh, beating Indi- Indianapolis for kind of a good portion for that game or sticking with them. I think maybe Cleveland was kind of a rooting for Tennessee in that at that point. But Tennessee right now, we've got them going with Laramie Tunsil, the offensive tackle out of uh, Ole Miss. They got their quarterback last year in Marcus Mariota where they picked second. I think maybe the only other possibility here with uh, 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 Robert Nimgichi Nim- go- going down just a little bit uh, with, with some of the off-the-field issues I really think this comes down between Tunsil and Bosa. I think Tunsil's just kind of the bigger need. Bosa's, to me, the better, best prospect. I think he's the best prospect in the draft. But to me, on my board, you're, you're looking at one-two. I've got Tunsil number two, so it's not a big drop-off. What do you do if you're Tennessee? Uh, I love Joe Bosa. And, uh, I mean, he has the ability to be like a J.J. Watt-type disruptive. I know people say that. And they're, like, I, I mean, we, they're just saying it to compare. But he really is the total package. But coming off a year where you drafted Marcus Mariota, and he, he's a guy that has potential, definitely has potential, and, and he looked very good, but you got to protect him. He took some nasty hits in his first year, so you got to invest in the offensive tackle. It kind of just goes hand-in-hand, hand. you know, drafting quarterback and then the next year drafting the protection. And Cleveland looking quarterback at, at pick two. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Cleveland's looking for a quarterback in the first round of the draft. Um we could probably just record that from about 15 years ago and play it in just about every draft. Uh, it just never seems to go away. As you've alluded, maybe it's something in the water. Maybe they need to draft someone named Joe at quarterback, but I don't think there's a Joe that's first-round quarterback worthy since uh, you were talking about yeah. Thomas. 
we've got them with Paxton Lynch. I, I think there's a lot of bust potential here, but you know, obviously that's six foot seven, two hundred and forty five pound frame. And a guy that he's not majorly mobile, but he's kind of like Andrew Luck. He's a little bit de- deceptive. He de- he doesn't run a lot, but when you get him in the open field, he's he's got some moves. He can step up in the pocket like a like a big Ben. He he he's kind of elusive. Uh, I really think that it would be best for him to stay in college one more year. But again, with the ascension and with, with Memphis, it'd be kind of crazy for him to stay in school. So uh, we've got Lynch at number two. If you're Cleveland, do you go quarterback again? But there's so many holes there in Cleveland. There's so many holes, and I'm not sure about Paxton Lynch. Uh, yeah, it's got to be a sure part. But if you like a quarterback, if you have a quarterback graded somewhere, you know, uh, 10 or 15 on, the, on your – I mean, uh, if you have a quarterback you like, you can't pass him up. I don't think they should. Uh, if Joey Bose is there, uh, I think that's a slam dunk. He goes to a uh, granny's front foot. He goes to Ohio State. No matter what, it's just a safe pick. And, then, and, and you don't have to risk it all. That's like such a Cleveland move to risk it all to get a quarterback. And I like golf more. But uh, no matter what, it would be a tough situation. If, if they can't retain Joe Thomas and Josh Gordon doesn't come back, I mean, it's tough to put a rookie quarterback in that situation. I don't go get a quarterback early. Uh, I kind of do what, like, the, the, you know, a team like the Texans would do and just get a veteran to build around because it's really tough to put somebody in Cleveland as a rookie and expect them to do well. And with Joey Bosa sitting on the board staring at you, no one's going to have a problem with uh, Cleveland getting Joey Bosa. And, Cle- and Cleveland just always seems to go for that uh, that young quarterback. I think the last time they really kind of went the veteran route, it kind of, you know, you got to think back to the days of Kelly Holcomb or Jake DeLome after he left Carolina, put in some decent time there there in Cleveland where, where they were competitive as well, but they always seem to go young. We've got Bosa at three time, right now going to San Diego. I'll never argue with Bosa going anywhere. San Diego, to me, Seems like. Always seems to need an edge rusher. Yeah, it's weird to see them picking this high. You know, they they haven't picked this high in a very very long time since maybe when they had Eli, when they, when they had the first overall pick. They've been pretty good for a while. Uh, they could definitely use an edge rusher. And I, if you if you like Laquan Treadwell, I mean, they definitely need help at receiver. I know that's a little early for Treadwell, but Treadwell's, you know, he's a, he's a there's. Amari Cooper was drafted this high. Sammy Watkins was drafted this high, and he is not too far from them. Uh, but if, if Bosa is there, assuming they take Lynch. But I'd I'm glad you bring Treadwell up. He's another name that made it official today. Everyone pretty much knew he was going to, but today he actually signed, sealed, delivered, and, and made it official. Dallas at number four, and this one it gets kind of interesting because for a while it's uh, Jalen Smith here, but still got to hear more about how significant the knee injury was that he suffered against. Ohio State, and it's kind of funny that it, that this was that game was kind of built more not not only did you have two very prestigious programs in Ohio State and Notre Dame, but some were really billing this as a battle between Joey Bosa and Jalen Smith could be the two best defensive players or two highest defensive players drafted, uh, you know, in, in this upcoming draft if they both declare and both actually end up exiting, uh, you know, Bo, Bosa for the targeting call and and Jalen Smith, which again everyone's calling a significant knee injury, but uh, the extent is really kind of unknown. So I, I think that kind of makes him a little susceptible and drops him down the board a bit. We've actually got Miles Jack, uh, number four, uh, a player that I really, really love, the first player to officially declare coming off a uh, knee, knee injury himself, but doing it so early. Uh, we've got him at Dallas at number four, and 
Dallas needs a lot of help at linebacker. Sean Lee and, and, and so many games lost injury there. Uh, with Dallas at four, uh, I, you know, I think they need a, a quarterback, but I don't think they're going to go there first round. Any other areas you think that the Cowboys could be looking around one? Uh, I love Miles Jack. He's just a professional the moment he came to campus. Uh, it was pretty funny to see him commit at, right after he was injured, but uh, I'm sure it's going to pay off. I'm sure he's going to be in, uh, in in pretty good football shape. I don't think you could ever argue with a cornerback. Uh, I know the last time they drafted a cornerback, how they whiffed, but this is way too high to draft. But I'm telling you, he's the perfect fit for the Cowboys. Is Zeke, baby, Zeke Elliott. And I know uh, running back's probably not going to go fourth overall, but I'm telling you, in all my years of Buckeye football, he might be the best Buckeye that I've ever seen. He does everything well, his run block, his pass block. A violent run block. He's got good hands out of the backfield. Uh, I mean, he's got the NFL build. He is the total package. All the running backs I've seen come through Ohio State. He's, in my mind, the best. And that's including Eddie George. Uh, Boy, you heard, you heard it here. Strong words from Zach, everyone. Could be the best Buckeye. Strong words from Zach. In my, in my lifetime, I would consider him one of the best Buckeyes. It's not the best Buckeye. And it's also the way he plays on the big stage. Every big game this year against Michigan. This year against uh, Notre Dame. Uh, against Michigan State, they just didn't give him the ball. He was right. He didn't get the ball. Last year they gave to him in Michigan State. He had one of his best games in the regular season. Then he did what he did against Pama and Oregon. And then, he just, and then you watch in close games like Indiana, he, he ran for like almost 300 yards. He is the total package, an excellent back. He'll, make a, he'll be excellent in the NFL. And the Cowboys would be so perfect for him. I wish they had drafted him that high, but they, they, but they probably won't. But that's something that maybe you trade down because that's such a perfect fit in my mind. And we've currently got Zeke at number 18 going to Indianapolis. I think that would be, be a good fit there. Maybe they get the relive the days of Manning and Edger and James with Andrew Luck and Zeke Elliott. I think that would, that would be a good fit. We've got Baltimore at five. We've got them going with Ronnie Stanley. I, I don't th- – or at number six, I'm sorry. At number five, we actually have uh, Jacksonville. Really, with Jalen Ramsey, kind of comes down with, with Jalen Ramsey and Vernon Hargraves. You've got one A and one B. I think Jacksonville's just looking for a little more size, Ramsey being a little bit bigger. Uh, they kind of go there. But really, there's not a bad choice you can make there between the two. Both are going to be outstanding. They're trying to build like a mini, mini Seattle. And Jalen Ramsey you know, has, like you said, the build of a Seattle cornerback. So I like that. I like, I like Hargraves better, but for Jacksonville, I like Ramsey. Let me and we've got Ronnie Stanley in Baltimore. We've got the quarterback that you like, Jared Goff, going uh, to San Francisco at seven. And that could be something, again, if Chip Kelly's going to San Francisco, gets that franchise-type quarterback. Goff, again, not a big runner, but again, athletic enough. He can move around. Absolutely. And, you, yeah, you've still got Kaepernick in the fold. Maybe his like days part of are not Kelly's numbered there. there. Yeah, no, that's part yeah. of his appeal. When you have that contract, you know, and, and somebody's – Chip Kelly's reaching out to the 49ers saying, you know, I can help. I, I can be the guy that coaches Kaepernick. Absolutely. Uh, he, he could end up uh, having that chance. And, again, maybe it's not the slam dunk going to Tennessee. He still gets a, a quarterback quite high, doesn't have to make some kind of package deal to try and get uh, his man. Uh, we actually have Tampa Bay and the Giants at 9 and 10. We'll just kind of do the, the top 10 for tonight. But both of them going defensive end uh, with Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson. Can't really go wrong there. Ogba. To me, one of the more underrated uh, defensive ends, I, I put him right behind Joey Bosa in, in that category. As a matter of fact, he is the NCAA active career or, or of players that are currently uh, at the college level, uh, has the most career sacks for defensive end. Now, 
Ogba has not officially declared yet, but again, that's another one where everyone's saying, yeah, he's probably just going to do it. Shaq Lawson has already done so, and we've got him attend to the Giants. And we know that the Giants, least amount of sacks in the league. Uh, what do you do with Jason Pierre-Paul? I, th- I think they bring him back at kind of a reduced rate, and hopefully things get a straight for him. But uh, the defensive line, uh, just the front seven for the Giants has been a mess all year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, when your best player blows his hand off before the season, that's that's going to hurt you. Shaq Lawson is a perfect giant, very, very good giant. And Ogba kind of reminds me of Ansel a little bit. It's not just their names. Size-wise, they're very similar in size. The way they move, it's very similar, too. So I have no problem him going top ten. And before we sign off for the night, too, we've got a, a couple of emails we wanted to get to. I've got uh, one from Richard here, and, and this one's going to be close to your heart because you – you had actually even sent me an email asking about uh, Kiaris Garrett, the wide receiver from, from Tulsa, and why he wasn't in the mock. Well, he's in the latest mock, everyone. He's, in the, he's a sixth-round pick. Um, he had actually asked about uh, Garrett and actually asked why we didn't have Corey Davis in there either, the uh, wide receiver from West, Western Michigan. Well, I can tell you that uh, I'm a big fan of Corey Davis. Unfortunately, he is a junior, has not declared – so technically he's part of the 2017 class, but if he does declare, I think he is a mid-round prospect. I think on my early board I have him rated as the number seven wide receiver uh, going into next season. So that's a good one there. Um, Blake had actually uh, written, Blake had actually asked about, we, we had a couple of players listed, uh, Jake Butt, the uh, tight end from Michigan, as well as Will Fuller, the wide receiver from Notre Dame, asking that uh, – why we had these players in our mock draft? Because they had declared that they were going back to college. Well, you know, there's a lot of players that will declare that they're going to college and then suddenly change their mind. And now Jake Butt, we actually took out of the database. It looks like he's going to stay put. But I'm glad that he threw Will Fuller in there because guess what? Three weeks ago he said he was staying, and guess who announced yesterday he's going in the draft? It's Will Fuller. That's right, just because you, you first – hear someone saying, oh, we're going to school. It doesn't always work out that way. And we also want to remind everyone that even though January 17th is the deadline, um, players will have a couple days to change their mind. If they haven't signed with an agent, they can actually kind of retract. I think they have three to four days to retract their decision and actually kind of go back to the NCAA level. Uh, And the last one I had here, it's a very good question, and and people ask this. This is from uh, Donnie in, in South Dakota. All right, we got a South Dakota fan here asking about how, uh, how the draft orders determine with, uh, with ties when teams have the same record. Excellent question, something that's kind of always overlooked every year. I mentioned that we don't have any coin flips, Donnie, and that's because take, for instance, Tennessee and Cleveland. They're at the top of the draft. Both teams are 3-13. and 13. In this instance, it goes by um, the opponent's winning percentage, so – Tennessee's opponents had a lower winning percentage than Cleveland. They actually have the the number one pick. Now, in round two, Cleveland will actually jump ahead of Tennessee, and then they're the only two teams with that same record. Round three, it goes back to Tennessee-Cleveland, and four would be Cleveland-Tennessee. They kind of do that like uh, you look at, let's see, Jacksonville, Baltimore, and San Francisco. So at five, six, and seven, it goes Jacksonville, Baltimore, Frisco. Then in round two would go Baltimore, Frisco, Jacksonville. Then San Francisco. So it's, it kind of goes by that overall record for the first 20 picks. And then, you know, picks 21 through 32, it's going to depend on how teams are going to finish in the playoffs. So all good questions. All very good questions. 
Um, anything that uh, the Garrett one, the Garrett one. It's funny that somebody emailed you that, and I emailed you that this week. You did, uh, and that, that's why I wanted I to mean, bring I, that up. That's what I wanted to bring. I'm like, oh my! Actually, he emailed me the day before you did, and I was like, oh, there you go. And again, guy's got all the size in the world, just not a whole lot of separation. A guy who can just go up and get it, but you know, obviously, he's very talented. I just don't see anything super, super special there. But hey, he can he can prove me wrong. I've been proven wrong before. No. Uh, tons of separation in the NFL, but in college, I maybe I didn't watch enough of him. The games I watched, he was always making great catches. He never had separation. He's Martavius Brown. He looks like Martavius Brown. Uh, he's a, I mean, he's a monster. Uh, it'd be one thing not to have him in the first two rounds, but not to be drafted altogether. Uh, I mean, love the NCAA in receiving. I think he has uh, one of the more underrated quarterbacks. People really don't know about. About Tulsa, I mean they're they're a very quality football team. His quarterback Dane Evans is a very very good quarterback. And when I watch him, he he, look, he moves exactly like Drew Brees. He's prolific too. Guy that's almost thrown. Yeah, he has like fifty touchdowns, I think over eight thousand yards in his career. So he's definitely the beneficiary of a good quarterback. But uh, if you put him in the NFL with a good quarterback like Dane Evans is in college, like on the Saints, how Marcus Colson was? You kidding me? I know Colson was a late pick, but the guys that guy's no later than the third round. Just wait. Watch. Yeah, and Colston, you talk about the separation there because he kind of proved me wrong. Actually, I don't know. I, I kind of take a, a half victory with Colston because Colston's senior year, he thought he had a very, very serious shoulder injury at Hofstra and barely played his senior year. But he's a guy that I had on my sleeper list, but I said he's going to have to be converted to a tight end at the NFL level. I said, I really, really like this guy but I don't think he can be a receiver at the NFL level. So there you go. He obviously proved me wrong. He did turn out to be a very good player. So I, I kind of took a half victory in that. I just thought they, he was going to be converted to a tight end. But we're seeing more and more of these you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, receivers are, are becoming a, you know, more and more normal. It's not uh, an abnormality anymore. We're seeing more and more of them come out of the, the college level. So uh, I, I thought Colson would be a good player. I just uh, I just had him converting the tight end. So you never know what would have happened if uh, the Saints had tried something like that. But uh, uh, I, I would just like – I'd like to see Garrett block a little more. They haven't asked him to – I've loved – and I, that's an aspect that I think goes overlooked with wide receivers. But I can't really grade him too much. Actually, it's just something that, you know, he makes so many catches. They really haven't asked him to do so. That's another area. If he really proves himself as a capable blocker and can really show some, I think, some NFL teams, some skills in the blocking area, I think that, that would really help his stock as well. I, I, I can give him an incomplete on that. I really don't have anything to base it on. It's just something he hasn't been asked to do. He could be the greatest blocker in the world. We just haven't seen it. He could be really, really bad. I don't know. It's just something he's just not been asked to do. And I think that's an area where he can really improve his stock if he can show teams he can do that. that, that that'll go a long way for him. Uh, it doesn't matter. In the NFL, they uh, I think they broke the passing record touchdown because these guys don't need separation. You just need big guys to catch touchdown passes, and that's what he is. And there's value in that. Uh, and he, he's definitely – I can tell you he's not going to be a good blocker. I know he's not, but he, he's a great pass catcher. It's not like that he's a one-year wonder. Uh, he's never had crazy, crazy numbers, but, uh, I mean, he, he's, always, uh, he's always catching touchdown passes. And there's something to be said about that. Somebody that just has the ability to uh, – he caught 96 balls this year. Uh, that's no joke. So if, if you watch him play, he's just he's just he's a matchup nightmare. And, and that, to me, that's worth third round pick. Watch him probably go second round. <laughs> so if you have to pick, <coughs> excuse me, one player right now, and we'll kind of uh, do this before we sign off. 
one guy that you think is being tremendously undervalued right now in the draft can be any position. Who's the guy to you that kind of stands out? Oh, oh, oh. I, how often do I email you about something? And on our mock draft attempt, he's, he went from not being drafted. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that, uh, to me, he's like, you know, a third round pick. Uh, but uh, out of everybody in the draft, I don't know. You gotta give me a second to, I can't. I can't. Oh, I'll let you think about that one a little bit. A couple, couple players that I really like. Uh, you know, I'm I'm always partial to the small schoolers, but I really like uh, DeAndre Hall, the the cornerback out of Northern Iowa. I actually have him as the very first pick for the New England Patriots because, of course, we all know they're not going to have a pick in the first round. Have him going in round two. Even though I have him rated as the number two small school corner, I really like Harlan Miller out of Southeast Louisiana. I think he's but I think I have him going a little bit later, top of the fourth round. But I also think just the returnability for this guy, and, and just a physical, I, I think it's hard to find someone who's so physical at corner and is such a good returner. He just seems to do so good in run support. I just think the sky's the limit with this guy. I think he's a guy to look out for. If you want to go on the quarterback tip, Brandon Dowdy, West, Western Kentucky, another guy that can just sling it. He's a guy that really benefited. I thought that he could really – he could have been drafted last year, and he did petition, he successfully petitioned the NCA for a sixth year of eligibility. It was granted, and looked uh, Dowdy, pretty much him and Matt Johnson at Bowling Green kind of broke uh, just about every record or were, or were one, two in just about every category this year. Dowdy, a guy can really bring it. 6'2", 225, you know, not, not huge, but definitely not small, but he's a guy that he's just, just a your gunslinger type that I think that can can sit on a bench for a couple of years or maybe just be a valuable backup, maybe some spot duty. I, I really like Brandon Dowdy for one of those undervalued quarterbacks uh, that end up going somewhere probably in the middle rounds of this draft, and, and you'll hear about him in a few years. I love that you know all that about the small schools. You know, I, I, I would chime in, but I don't know. I really don't know small school players at all. <laughs> I, I, I knew uh, – I knew David Johnson. That's about it. But that's because he was a you know a stud running back. Other than that, I really maybe a few quarterbacks I know, but I don't know a single cornerback from a small school. But you really got to look now. I mean, we've got three players. You could have I think three players that are good enough to go first round from outside FBS this year. Uh, you know, I, I love Carson Wentz. I, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft, and he is going to the Senior Bowl. That's right. North Dakota State being represented there, actually by two. The uh, two of the three players I'm talking about are from North Dakota State. They're their offensive lineman. He's going as well, Joe Haig, and of course Noah Spence. That's kind of like a one A. We all know that you know he left Ohio State, but he was the uh, Ohio Player of the Year. Kind of ripped it up there at Eastern Kentucky, and Eastern Kentucky's cranked out a couple good prospects over the last ten to fifteen years. That's not a not a school to take lightly. There's uh, some good good talent that comes out of the, the Ohio Valley Conference, those uh, Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, uh, Eastern Kentucky-type schools uh, really kind of give us some good players. And I think Noah Spence is a guy that I think by the middle of round one, you're going to hear his name kind of whispered. I think he gets drafted somewhere in like the 18 to 25 range. Um, of course, you know, he did start at Ohio State. And I know you know all about him, but, you know, did finish up at Eastern Kentucky. So I think he's your third player, and he is an underclassman that has officially declared he is in this draft. So not only a, a small schooler, but an underclassman. And I think that uh, those three players, we could have three going in round one, which would be a long time since we've seen that. Has that ever happened? Uh, it's happened, but it's been a long time. I think 
one of the first drafts I went to, I think it was back in 2000 or 2001, there were two players from, from Jackson State that both went in the, in the first round. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the cornerback that went to Carolina. Unfortunately, ran into some, some drug issues. Uh, Rashad Anderson, I believe, and had a, a promising start to his career, but unfortunately uh, some off-the-field issues kind of derailed his career early on. I think that was the last time we had, he was probably uh, hanging out with Ray Carew. <laughs> uh, I think it was a little bit after him, but yeah, you never know. It's it wrong crowd. You just never know these days. And uh, the other thing uh, that uh, that we'll leave you with as well with these quarterbacks, I know you have to be happy that Christian Hackenberg has declared. Christian Hackenberg is going to be in this draft. I know he's your favorite. Still, if you go by a sheer talent standpoint, it is a guy who it's got to be between the ears. There's, I'm really interested in what's what's going on there at Penn State. There's got to be some major disconnect there. Thought that this year would have been just perfect for him. They bring in a new coordinator, a lot of talent returning, and and he just, I don't even think the game was over. And he said, "I'm going to the NFL draft." So, uh, this is a guy I, that I was, benefit I from another year. Honestly, it's probably the funniest thing I've ever heard that he's declaring for the draft. I might as well declare for the draft. You know, <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> he's such garbage, it's crazy. I think Penn State was a great fit for him. I think he played to the, his maximum potential. He's such trash. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he's, if a team drafts him, I'll, I'll be shocked. Probably watch the Browns draft him. Uh, he's so bad. Just straight garbage. He's going to be our second or third round pick. There's so many intangibles there. Uh, he's got to put it together. He's got to get it. And he's a guy that's got to sit for a couple of years. But I could see a team like the Rams or, or even Baltimore. We saw them, how thin they are now. The Tyrod, the, you know, they finally get rid of Tyrod Taylor and Joe Flacco actually goes down. They've gone through the Matt Schaubs and the Ryan Mallets of the world. Somewhere by like round three, having him sit behind Flacco or something could, could be a, uh, a good situation, but very, very, very interesting. And we haven't even talked about Connor Cook, and I, I think there's some bust potential there, even though that I hear so much about this is a guy that's ready to play. He's like a three-and-a-half-year starter. He started about two-thirds of his freshman campaign, so there's there's a lot of games there, but I don't know, a little bit of a head case. I, I'm just not quite sure about this. This could be kind of a Ryan Leaf all over. I, I hate to say that because there's definitely talent there, but at the same time, just some of the decisions, very bad game against Alabama, and I honestly can't remember. Some people might think that this is just minute, but one of the things, that you've got a guy that has started over three years, almost a four-year, full-year, four-year starter at quarterback. You would immediately think this is the, the leader of your team, and he wasn't the captain. That's, that's, I, I cannot remember a senior quarterback with as many accolades as Connor Cook that isn't the captain of a football team. To me, that, that speaks volumes. I don't know. It just just seems to be this isn't the guy that I think the leadership questions are going to come up. Uh, it just worries me a little bit about him, even though it looks like he's he's kind of a safe pick, but I don't know. Uh, you know what? There's I, a lot I, of potential I, I, there, too. I'll try to keep it brief, but I, I liked him, too. I liked him, too, and I thought he was like – for some reason, maybe it's just a misconception to use, like, a Michigan – just Connor Cook sounds like a nice name. I thought he was, like, an All-American guy, but then the more TV time he, he got, he's, he's kind of like a condescending 
he's got like a like a, a way about him. It makes you not like him. And it started I started noticing when Archie Griffin handed him the the trophy for the Big Ten championship, and he just kind of like brushed him off. Uh, I forget exactly the other exact situation, but he just has this this contemptuous look that he always keeps on his face, like he's better than people. And I didn't know that he wasn't the captain, and that makes sense because there's just something about him, kind of like an RG three, where he he just rubs me the wrong way, and like the very small. Uh, a very small sample size in like seeing him speak, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I, I think he's got some bust potential too. And I don't think he's like so overwhelmingly talented that you know it's gonna. He'll have to be a first yeah, pick. I gotta go back and look. I just can't remember a quarterback that's been started that long. I mean, usually there it's just assumed they're they're your they're your captain. I don't know. That to me that's just a big big red flag. So we'll we'll have to check on that, but. So much to talk about. It was good to just get a nice podcast out there. It's been a while since we've done one together, but there'll be many more. I want to be the one of the first to wish you a happy and prosperous New Year there to to Zach, and hopefully your you. your uh, resolution there for for hair product and uh, and other things comes true and and, and treats you well in the New Year. But uh, uh, this with with so many of the coaching changes, there's so many things going on. I think we're we're at 117 days. Again, we're not counting. Just a rough guess. 117 days till the draft. Boom. So for, so for Zach and uh, Jared, who's out there listening, our, uh, we'll put all this together for, for everyone on the out there in cyberspace. I'm DJ Boyer. want to sign off for everyone and say uh, we'll see you soon. Have a great week, week or two, and, and we'll be back with more draft news right around probably about the 100-day mark. But have a good one, guys. See you later. I stand here dressed in my devotion, trying to rule my world. But if I drift out deep into the ocean, am I the fool it falls? I can't run forever. I can't run forever. Oh,